I can't do this now, and you gotta know that. It's been a long time for me. I mean, uh, you need somebody younger, you know, somebody like I used to be. Younger is not better. Doesn't have experience, doesn't know its way around the courthouse. Yeah, I'm lucky I can find a courthouse. <laughs> I had only four cases last year. You know how many I won? None. That's how many. None. And two of them, I, I, uh, I think the, uh, the jury blamed me personally. They must have been innocent. It's tough to get the innocent man off a rap. I wasn't even planning on going to court with this one. I was just going to plea it down best I could and walk away. I wasn't, I wasn't planning on taking this to trial, sir. Well, your plans have been changed. Well, I am afraid that I'll make a mistake and say the wrong thing and, you know, uh, 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 make a wrong turn somewhere, and you don't want to take that risk. Life is risk. I'm sorry. Life is risk. Life is a risk. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I haven't been in here before. What do you need me to do? Listen, you're gonna be given the answers and the questions. All you have to do is read. You can read, can't you? Is it, is, is it English? Just don't drift, don't drink, and don't lose. What if I do lose? And you go down for the dirt nap. Never heard that expression. Not really cut out for this anymore. I mean, a guy gets hit by a bus, you know, and sues. I, I like that. Some lady uh, slips in a supermarket. I'm with her. A guy. The discussion's him. over. I'm an alcoholic. This is a murder case. This isn't for me. It was once. Yes, but uh, before you let the drink lead. Be sober by tomorrow, and don't look so worried, Snyder. You've got nothing to lose, just like the rest of us. I don't want to be a burden to you, but I do, you know, aside or along with my alcohol problem, I have a, a slight drug problem. I mean, n nothing big, just go away. Podcast episode 176 apparently, and today we are doing sleepers. That will be the main focus of today's show. 1996 film directed by the legend himself, the one and only Bozo Levinson, also known as Barry Levinson, and it's your pals 
Mike, Travis, Eric. We are here. Send them an iPod at gmail.com. Travis, we're doing a show. It's happening. We have a show. We're going to talk about Sleepers, the movie that almost broke Cinema 9. <laughs> Wait a minute. What was, so how long has it been? What was the last show we did? What was the movie? Uh, the, la- the last movie we did Mandy. was Mandy. That was oh. about three weeks ago. This is the longest hiatus we've ever had. This I'm is it sure. now. We topped it all. Yeah. And uh, we were two weeks be- between Mandy and the one before that. We've basically been on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Fall. Last one I did was Event Horizon, which was like two months ago. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. You weren't on the Mandy show. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a minute. So, But we have a podcast, and here we are, all three of us. Yay! This is our podcast. We're podcasting. I love that. I'm glad we're here doing the show. You know, you guys can email us at gmail.com. I mean, why even bother to try to explain all the... Uh, you know, I can't even do it. It's like, duh, I'm just a human being living should in society. Up, up, yeah. Should, up, should, up. should, should, should. Our fans up. are used to a weekly show for a few years, but at this point, like, <laughs> surprise if you see it pop up in your... Yeah, isn't that more of a treat? I mean, eh, no? We'll, 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 there's ebbs and flows. There's high tide, there's Ebbs tide. and flows! Uh, right. Well, either way, I... It's great to see you guys. Genuinely, I'm glad we're doing the yeah. show here. We'll talk about yeah. sleepers in a little bit. Uh, you know, the actor strike ended. A lot of that stuff is wrapped up in Hollywood. It's getting back to business. So, mm-hmm. um, is that exciting for anyone? Or? Yeah, I'm not in the business. <laughs> what did they decide on the AI thing? I know that was holding everything up. You know, I honestly don't know the answer to that. But I do know. Did you guys know that Justine Bateman, former uh, mm. Family Ties legend, is really hardcore... Beautiful on the AI front for SAG. And she's been one of the most, she's like on the negotiating team or one of the most right. trusted people when it comes to these showdowns with AI in particular. So she's the one that we should be hearing from. Check out Justine Bateman somewhere online and she'll give you the answer. We're going to try to like uh, <laughs> reimagine the Mallory character from Family Ties without her consent or something. <laughs> Well, she might be thinking beyond herself, Eric. No. I'm not familiar with that. How am I not myself? It was not compute. How am I not myself? Uh, well, I'm glad that's over now. Now we can get back to the business. Now people can talk about their fucking projects again. Like I listened to Bill yeah. Burr's podcast on occasion, and he, he couldn't talk about his movie on Netflix, The Old Dads, but he kept old saying, like, I wish I could talk about this thing, but everyone knew it was out. It's just a really goofy right. and bizarre um, platform to not have to speak. When I understand the unification of a union, but... This is a little weird. Unification. This is a union town. Union town. Well, uh, yeah, there it is. So we've been gone long enough that we, you know, accrued a couple emails. That's fun. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we got I two, actually. All right. Uh, I was going to send you an email, says Joe Lowry. That's the title of it. Dot, dot, dot. Hey, guys. Still going through the back catalog, and I was listening to the Blow episode. Wow, Blow. What was that, like, 94? <laughs> That we that we recorded that episode, yeah, like maybe <laughs> about episode one hundred and seven. Anyways, and it was a little while ago. Uh, there was definitely something brought up in the quarantine viewing picks part of the episode that had me thinking. I should send the guys an email about it. <laughs> and then as Govia gets into the emails, he says multiple times not to send emails to the podcast. This is me not sending an email to the podcast. Cheers, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, I forgot about that bit. Please, whatever you do, do not email us. That was our bit for a while. It was a reverse psychology thing. It worked too well. <laughs> Don't ask for much. Just totally disregard us. <laughs> Don't know. Please, to me, to regard you. Please, to regard you. Um, Steve Guile, our pal, he jumped in. 
He just sent All us right. a, a link though that says Dessen Thompson Nee How N E E How H O W E. I'm not familiar yeah, with that. Yeah. Well, name means like former last name, and his he was born Desson Howe, but uh, oh. he reconnected with his father, I believe, and took his father's name, as I recall. We're Desson Howe biographers around here, aren't we, Eric? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did you see that biopic? Hey, <laughs> hell coming. yeah. Okay. Once okay. Aronofsky's done with Elon Musk, he's going to take on Desson Thompson. Sterling K. Oh, God. Oh, Sterling K. Brown is going yeah, yeah. to play Desson Thompson. Oh, I like it. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, I need someone... I mean, he's strong with his authority when it comes to the written word, but I need someone who's like a little more softer on the outside. Ster- you know, Sterling's a great actor, but he's, oh, yeah. I just don't see him as Dessen physically. So, mm. But no one cares. It doesn't matter. Right, we'll work on that. Casting Dessen Tom. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Steve <laughs> popped a link in this email that says, I couldn't find a Dessen review, but I think this Shawshank take will make do. So he sent us a link from a 1994 review online for the Washington Post by Dessen Howe in September 23rd, oh, yeah. 1994. Wow. Going back. Yeah. Uh, if you've seen this Shawshank, maybe skip it. I'm just going to say the last line. It says, when Robbins, upon making Freeman's acquaintance, asserts that he's innocent of the double murder, Freeman smirks. You're going to fit right in, he tells Robbins. You know that everybody in here is innocent. That's how the thing ends? What? That's weird. That's the last line of this review. Uh, well, this was Dessen reporting from his sixth grade uh, school paper. <laughs> Fair enough. That's a good point. Now, thanks for the email, Steve. Uh, that's, that was a fun fact for me. I actually enjoyed that. And then we got another one because we were off so long from Joe. Uh, this one's about Judgment Night. Hey, guys. Going through the backlog as usual, and I don't often choose an episode where you are doing a film I haven't seen before because of spoilers. But I saw the Judgment Night episode. I had to listen to it. While I never have watched the movie, as a 15-year-old, I was paid to be part of a focus group in the summer of 1993. <laughs> it turned out to be for Judgment Night. No shit. And while I don't have the clearest recollection, it was mostly focused on different cuts of the film in trailer format. The room was filled with teenagers from my age up through 20 years old. The various different cuts were played, and then we were all asked as <laughs> if we would see the movie based off of that cut. And what we liked and didn't like about it. They got progressively better, but the first few they showed us had the whole room saying they wouldn't see it. <laughs> wow, I think, I think, uh, I don't remember if we got a universal so, holds up on that. What, what, what is he talking about? If they'd see the movie based on if they Clips. just, they just saw it in yeah, its entirety? They, they were um, test marketing previews to them right and that's what he's saying oh, well like clips of judgment night showing yeah. of it and they're like would you see this right. uh i just did <laughs> <laughs> uh after that i really had no interest in seeing the movie although i considered it because of that brief connection i had to it but that never ended up being enough for me to go out of my way for it cheers joe <sighs> thanks right. joe you should check it out all right so send us an email uh we love having you guys be a part of the show. Tell us what's on your mind, movie wise. We got Thanksgiving here. We've done Home for the Holidays. Yeah. The holidays are coming up too. So we got some while you were sleeping, Home for the Holidays, Scrooged. You know, there's some tasty episodes to choose from in our back catalog. But do you guys have a Thanksgiving movie you watch on Thanksgiving? I mean, besides Planes, oh, Trains, and yeah, Automobiles? Yeah, besides. besides. Oh, <laughs> this is a great question. I think I wrote this down a long time ago, but is, is With Honors a Thanksgiving movie? <laughs> It takes place Weird. in fall and cr- in winter. Ah, movie the other day. My I watched it so not that long ago. Oh, here it is. Yeah, Thanksgiving movies: The Ice Storm, 
Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Dutch. 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 And of course, playing trains Dutch. and automobiles. So that's the I had four on the list. Hey, that's all I had. Missing a big one. Dutch is uh, what's his name? I'm blanking on Ed his name. Ed O'Neill. No, um, fucking same guy that did playing John Hughes. Yeah. yeah. We missed a big one, Eric. Well, every Thanksgiving morning, I I watch the uh, parade, then I watch uh, the dog show. I always watch oh, yeah. the Purina dog show hosted by the legendary John O'Hurley, mm-hmm. and then I immediately turn on Son of a Woman. It was a great Thanksgiving. Oh. Show. Good call, dude. Yeah, I didn't think about that one. I'll add it to the list for sure, though, now. Uh, Speaking of lists, we've got quarantine viewing picks, what we've been watching. We've had a lot of time to watch movies, so Travis, uh, feel free to make this list whatever it is. It is so long, I'm going to cut out a whole bunch of it. Um, This would grow tedious pretty quickly. Um, Season three of Morning Show, I know that you kind of checked out on it, Mike, but you're such a big Billy Crudup fan, I really recommend digging back in i mean he's just really he's you know he's third main character really on the show and it's he's, he's it's just such a good show and especially if you love reese witherspoon and jennifer aniston which are also great actors uh, i think it's some of the best tv still going on wow. at the beginning of it i was kind of like ah, the, the, maybe the third season's gonna lose me and by the end of it i was like totally engrossed okay uh, speaking of engrossed in tv the fall of the house of usher i i love mike flanagan so much and this is yes Yes, big yes. I loved it. I loved it. Um, one of the nastiest scenes I've ever seen in any horror film, uh, but also still that classic Flanagan touch where he just is able to investigate familial relationships. But this time it's not like the sweet side, like with Haunting on Hill House. Yeah. It's like the really like twisted dark side in the way that like oh, families man. can fuck each other up and that kind of stuff. Um, it's brilliant. I loved it. I, mean, I loved it. Oh my you watched God. it too, right? I fucking loved it. I'm like, all right, you can't top Midnight Mass. It's impossible. But, uh, you know, I'm a Flanagan fan, so I'll, I'll check it out. Fucking blow. It's, it's, it's so good. He is the modern master of horror. And, uh, wow. I mean, I, I love everything he does so much. Damn. Um, yeah, he's great. Just great. Loki season two. I was really happy with that. I've talked about Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead uh, on the show before, and they really took the reins on this second season and did a great job with it and a really satisfying ending for that for that series and potentially the character. It's hard to say at this point where the MCU is at. Speaking of MCU, I also checked out the Marvels, which I thoroughly enjoyed. There was like two stupid moments at least. And there was mo- like it's people are bragging that's like an hour and forty five minutes long. It's like yeah, I think it needed that ten or fifteen minutes. There's some choppy moments where it seems like some editors like got a little overzealous. But if like if you don't give a fuck about Marvel, if you if you hate it when they make movies about women or people that aren't white, then fuck off and don't bother watching this movie. Why um, would anyone feel that? Actually- that's so dumb. <laughs> They wouldn't admit it to themselves anyway, or unless they were just like, yes, I'm a nationalist. I'm a fascist. One of those people. <laughs> um, but if you like Captain Marvel, if you like Miss Marvel, if you like Monica Rambeau, like I do, if you like Nick Fleur, if you like, if you like all these characters, you're going to like the movie. If you like Pina Coladas. Yes. And getting caught in a movie theater watching the Marvels on a Saturday morning like I did. Ooh, was there um, anybody there? Definitely good. Um, there was five other people. Okay. Yep. And they were loud. They were. Figure. Oh, shit. <laughs> For a morning show? That seems strange. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, one of them was talking like this every now and then. He was just like at full volume. Like there's like no bothering to adjust. It's like, what What are you, what's happening? Um, but other than that, it was fine. 
I watched the January 6th documentary called the called January 6th. Showed uh. it to my students. That was hardcore. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I, speaking of Bill Burr, I tried watching Old Dads twice. Twice. Turned it off twice. The first time, the, the woman I was with, my friend, she's a big Bill Burr fan. And after like 20 minutes, she was like, can we turn this off? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I went home and tried to finish it. And I went, ah, no. Not, <laughs> just not funny. What? Just, just just made this the brutal mistake of not being funny as far as I was concerned. I just didn't I didn't laugh a single time. Oh, uh, always good to see Bokeem Woodbine. Always love seeing Bokeem. And I wish that, and he was like definitely the best part, but it wasn't enough to carry the movie for me. Strays, similarly, uh, similarly, a lot of people said good things about Strays. I was pretty underwhelmed by Strays, that that talking dog movie with Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx. It had its <laughs> moments, I guess. Um, but it was okay. Um I'll wrap this up. Albert Brooks defending my life documentary. Okay. Uh, just a delight. Just kind of felt like I was sitting down with two old friends and uh, just kind of reliving their memories together. If you like Albert Brooks, if you like Rob Reiner, if you like movies, you should probably watch defending my life. Did you watch it, Mike? Mm. I have not watched it yet, but you know, I am going to watch it. I know you're going to anything new revealed any, any shocking revelations. No shocking revelations. It was just cool getting. Um, it was it was cool getting like his perspective. He, I never heard him talk publicly about the death of his father, for instance. Very famous show business death and uh, that kind of his stuff. brother, so there, Super Dave. Didn't oh, talk about Super like Dave hardly at all, which mm, I was kind of surprised. That's a great um, doc too. Yeah, maybe that's why. I don't know, but um, but yeah, it was pretty great. And you know, I got to say, my main suggestion for the whole time that we spent apart other than the fall of the house of usher and morning show and loki movie wise was teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem i fucking loved it you loved it it was so fun it was so fun i think it's probably the best teenage mutant ninja turtles adaptation i've seen since the original cartoon and i even told my brother that and my brother is like he and i grew up like reading the graphic novels and he was like if it's not all red bandanas i'm not gonna like it I'm like, just watch it anyways. And he watched it and he texted me today that he really liked it too. It's fun. It's Was really it fun. cool with the turtles being trained, not by Hamato Yoshi Splinter, but by YouTube? Look, it's it's an it's a updating. It's not the same thing. It's just it's not the same thing. Orogu Saki. But it's it's still fun. I thought it was I thought it was pretty great. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I love TMNT. Animation looks cool. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. different. That's, I'll, uh, Michael Bay bummed me out with his stuff a couple years ago, but I shouldn't punish this for Michael Bay's transgressions, which are yeah. many. So, many. I apologize Deep for that. Deep and rich. That was a great list. Thanks for sharing, Travis. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I did watch the first two seasons of the morning show enthusiastically, and I just hadn't gotten to the third one yet. Oh, okay. And I heard it like the movie. It was a wild show. It's a weird show, but I definitely enjoy it. I will make an attempt to watch it. And I'm also sorry that you had a similar experience to when me, you, and Christian watched The Many Saints of Newark, which we did watch the whole thing, oh, unlike Old Dads, where you only watched 20 minutes of it, but we were thoroughly disappointed. I got 40. I mean, I did 20, then I tried another 20, and just went, no, life's too short. I can't believe that. I mean, I'm not the biggest Bill like Burvin, but he's a funny dude, yeah. Right, I like him. And, and he's a good and actor. My friend, yeah. Suzanne, she loves him. She's a big fan. Like, we were ready to laugh, and oh. it was just, it was, it was like hanging out with someone's cranky dad. Which I guess is what they were going for, but it was just like, oh, what you, what's this non-binary shit? And like, just all that kind of stuff. I'm like, all right, I, I get it. Not yep, for the you. world's changed. It's I get annoying. It. What about you, Eric? Well, I've been pretty busy lately. I guess I haven't really announced publicly on this podcast. I got another kid now. For anyone that doesn't know me, I've been taking a lot of my time. So, yeah. 
juggling a lot of responsibility over here, but still, literally, right now, you're getting up at two eighteen a.m. to feed this baby a bottle. You got to watch something, and I stuffed a lot of shit in. <laughs> Not going to get into all the Halloween stuff. It's over. It's yeah, over. Why bother bringing it up? Mind. Why bother? Um, <laughs> I did get around to Runaway Train because I seem to remember Mike talking this <laughs> up. I saw John Voight's like frozen face yeah. in his parka. And Isn't I'm he like, off his rocker in that movie? With this? He's off his rocker in that film. So I hit play. I hit play. What? What is this? What is this? How is this a movie? How is this written by Akira Kurosawa? How is this green? How is this in production? These performances are fucking bonkers, ridiculous. <laughs> Eric Roberts, like they for like two straight hours, like the same scene just keeps happening. John Voight's like, "You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know anything about trains." And Eric Roberts like, "Hey man, what the fuck's going on here?" And then that happens like twenty more times. <laughs> And that's all the movie is. Yeah, Rebecca De Mornay jumps in there too. Oh my god, I can't recommend it. It was, oh. fucking, it was truly awful. Really? Um, oh wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I love the showdown with the sheriff. Just saying. I, I don't understand what this movie is. Um, <laughs> yeah, Joyride. I went back. Candy oh, cane. Yeah. I went back to Joyride, two thousand one, yeah. written by J.J. Abrams, and it shows. Because the screenplay is sucks, just like all of his screenplays <laughs> do, yep. except regarding Henry. Trash. I remember it being fun, like a fun, like uh, throwback to Duel and stuff back in the day. But this is absolute garbage of the mm. highest order. Uh, Steve Zahn gets a few laughs out of me, and you know, lowly Sylvieski. I'd watch Do Laundry, but even she can't save this tired, trite, nonsense script that goes nowhere. <laughs> um, Eric and his laundry fetish. Yeah. <laughs> Fallen. It's been a long time. I was thinking about bringing oh, this on the show many times because. Me too. I seen this. I seen this like twenty times. You know, one second I'm falling in love, and then the next second I'm falling asleep, and it's been that way for like the past twenty years. You've and been I can never that, make up my mind. You've been making that same joke since the nineties. I can never <laughs> make up my mind. Like sometimes I will watch it, I'll be like, "Oh man, this is fucking awesome," and sometimes I will watch it, I'll be like, "This is fucking stupid." I turned it on Tubi uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago, and I was falling asleep because it's so bad. Like, you got a great premise, which is basically the first power. Like, literally, this script is the first power. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know how they got away with this without somebody getting sued, namely Nicholas Kazan. Like, you got a good setup and then, like, a cool ending and then, like, an hour and 20 minutes of nothing. Of nothing. Hmm. Denzel Washington being like, hey, you know what's going on? Then, like, all these incredible actors being like, no. No, Hobbs. <laughs> like, you better be careful out there. You're going to get fired. Nothing happens. It's it's horrible. We'll ask um, you again in two years. Ask me again in two years. Yep. I might be uh, I might be blown away. Yeah, fall See you in love. love. You see, that's the first movie I watched with John Goodman's a cop. Then I watched the second movie where John Goodman's a cop in Sea of Love. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the steamy, the steamy uh, romantic thriller starring... Ellen Barkin? The Ellen Barkin? Absolutely effervescent Ellen Barkin. And it's a this is a great thriller. This is a great thriller that should be... Um, this should be seen if you haven't checked it out yet. But you know, he's electric. He's fucking electric, man. It's really hard to like have good chemistry with your lead. Like it's fucking hard. But wow, man, the screen was on fire. <laughs> and I like the that? film. Uh, Robert Benton, who's usually really dry, hmm. but he delivered here. House of the Fall Usher, also incredible. And that's it. I'm gonna mute myself. <laughs> wow. Yep, got a little spit up going on. She's pissed, dude. I gotta say so. <laughs> Sea of Love, I have a vivid image right now in my mind. I can see it clear as day. I really can. Of the, uh, you know, remember back in the day 
you look at the newspapers for showtimes and what was coming out yeah. too. You get like these little black and white photos of the poster. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I remember Sea of Love, 1989. It was the same year as Batman and My Left Foot and all these movies. I just have this vivid remembrance of it in the newspaper. And I never saw it though. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to see that one. Thanks for recommending that one. I never saw it either. Also, Eric Roberts for Runaway Train. He was nominated for an Academy Award. I could not believe it. I could not believe it. I, I checked <laughs> Raspberry Award winners 1986 first. It wasn't on there. I'm like, oh man, they fucked up. And then I kept doing some research. I'm like, Academy Award nominee? I couldn't believe it. One of the dumbest performances of all time. No one's going to be able to stop this train, man. <laughs> you don't know nothing about trains. You ever been on a train? No. I'm telling you, man. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> John Voight is so unintentionally hilarious in that movie. He really is. I mean, you know, Travis Anaconda. He, he was nominated for Best Actor. He was? Of course he was. Of course he was. We oh used to make God. fun of Anaconda back in the day. We used to watch it. Monkey, Monkey Blah. Yeah. And that was funny unintentionally. But this one's right there with it. John Voight is just unintentionally funny because he goes way too deep into his character sometimes. And it doesn't always make sense for the films. <laughs> Having said that, he's a professional and kudos to him. Um, hmm. yeah, for me, you know, uh, I was, uh, I've watched a lot of films for sure. Cause like when you're depressed or bummed out, you know, like watching movies on over and over again, that's just the way to go. I mean, it's a classic time honored tradition is to soak up as many movies as you can when you don't feel like doing anything else, but sitting there. So, um, how do I kind of tighten all that up? I watched straight talk, 1992, James Woods. And Dolly Parton. And this movie is bizarre because it looks like there was a huge effort made on the part of the production to have this be a more serious film than it comes off. I mean, 31 years later than it does now (laughs) because she's got all these songs, Dolly Parton, and it's also featured in the credits, right? Like original music and blah, blah, blah by Dolly Parton. And there's all these songs for the straight talk, of course, being one of the main singles for the movie. And it's just not a good film at all. It's terrible. It's really, really bad. And James Wood is actually really good in it because he doesn't play like that. He's always such a hardcore dick, like always intense or always pissed off or bitter or ornery. And uh, he's not so much that this time. It's interesting he's, to see he's that. He's never bad. I watched Cat's Eye again. <laughs> he's fucking so good in it, man. He's he never, is. He's never bad. He just is not a good person. He's good actor, though. Incredible actor, yeah. Uh, wonderful actor. Uh, so straight talk, you know, if you see it on there on a streaming service, you should probably pass it. But you know, Dolly Parton is always just so lively and full of life. I will give her credit for that. She doesn't make things boring, but it's just not good. Um, and then I watched uh, 2016's The Promise, which is the telling of the genocide of Armenians during World War One by the Turks. And dude, this is such a good film. I feel like it suffers from the fact that it's about the Armenian genocide, which was already kind of ignored by a great many people in this world already. So then people are like, why would I want to go see Christian Bale and Oscar Isaac in a really depressing film? But just like the Holocaust films that have been done well by Steven Spielberg or Shoah, the documentary, it's really good uh, material. It's true, and it needs more air, obviously. It needs to be more discussed and... It's just a beautiful movie to watch, too. The Turkish scenery and everything, it's really, really puts you in the time and place. I'm strongly going to recommend, if you never saw it, check out 2016's The Promise. And uh, I think I'll leave it there. Sound good? All right. Yeah. Sound good. Uh, okay. So. 
Oh, I also watched Search and Destroy again. I did. Oh. I did, it was, <laughs> yeah, I just laughed a bunch. It just makes me laugh. It's so funny. I love Search and Destroy. I'm a shoeshine boy. Shoeshine boy. Never go to school. <laughs> I did that all day when I watched it. I had all day long. What? I was doing that. <laughs> Until it gets in there. It's, oh, just walk man. around. Also, Griffin Dunn's in Straight Talk. So, Oh. Yes. So. Something about water spirits around your head. Wish I wasn't dead. I listened to that song like 80 times after I first watched Sleepers again for this show. Yeah. 100 times. It's a great song. There's a lot of renditions of it. So, does anyone know the origin of it, by the way? Jim Pepper. It's, uh, yeah, it's a di- what's his name again? Jim Eric? Pepper, incredible yeah. alto saxist. Oh, yeah. Well, I just I thought that maybe there was like some long term, deeper historical, cultural background. Like this, it seems like kind of song that was made up by uh, spirits or mystics from yeah. I don't know who, but it sounds maybe like I'm an just... outdated uh, theory about Native American music. Like it's got to be mystic yeah. just because it's, it's no Native American songwriter. No. That's, that's... That is not yeah, what I'm thinking. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about a rape. Oh, I'm canceled. Yeah, that's fine. I've already canceled myself Did before. You, he didn't even know he was a native it's about his, It's literally about him going to the grocery store and they're out of French's mustard. They have the cheap shit, but not French's. It's, <laughs> what? It's out of control. No oh, right. shit. Are you fucking with me? Canceled, dude. Wow. Uh, it's it's very much like uh, from like the seventies, right? It's like early eighties, late seventies, like woo woo era, right? I was I did research yeah. and a lot of Vietnam vets remember coming back from uh, Vietnam and having this being very associated with this song. So I think there's some co- sort of connotation with with war and coming home and all that sort of stuff. Maybe PTSD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, which which he tied is to Brune, yeah. which Brune fits perfectly so. for the, the scene, which is one of the greatest scenes of all time. Oh. That's not split hairs. You didn't wait. You rarely dive in like that. You're like, I'll save it for later in the show. But you I'm actually said it. That's shit. Awesome. I'm not saying shit. <laughs> which, <It's> incredible. <laughs> When we talk about this movie later, in 50 minutes, <laughs> I'm going to bring up this one thing. Yeah, it was, I had a point about that, though. Is I was thinking about the Rain Man song, you know, like, Ico, Ico. It was, I was just thinking of that, and that has, like, its roots, in, I believe, in Haiti and the culture from a couple hundred years ago. But they made it a really good song for the Rain Man soundtrack, and it just caught fire. So that's what I was thinking when I was thinking from that perspective. Uh, what was it, the Rain Man soundtrack, wasn't it? It was before Rain Man, even. Oh, it was from, right. It I remember just, it in that. Justin, speaking of Justine Bateman and uh, no Julia Roberts, what was that one rock and roll movie that uh, Satisfaction? I think it was called. <laughs> oh, right, two Justine yeah. Bateman references in one show. <laughs> well, there you go. Anyways, uh, this is Sleepers, directed by Barry yeah, Levinson. Yeah, that uh, remake. Yeah, I guess so. A serious cast of just—I mean, a deep ass cast. Everybody's in it. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman's in it, and he doesn't even show up for like an hour later. <laughs> I forgot he was even in it. We started watching. I mean, I started watching the movie. I'm like, oh yeah, Robert De Niro's in this thing. You have more than three glasses of wine when you saw the three. I don't want to. <laughs> That's really good. That's excellent. Doesn't often from sleepers. But uh, Travis, yeah. you didn't cool. pick this movie, and I didn't pick it. So Eric, you remember the first time you saw sleepers? <laughs> Not really, but I do remember the uh, fifty or sixty more times I watched a movie about child sexual abuse in my. Yeah, <laughs> late teens for some reason. Why did I watch this movie so much in the late 90s is beyond me. But I watched it and I watched it and I watched it and it left a huge imprint on me, but it's been about 25 years. Hmm. What about you, Trev? Um, I have a really strong memory of seeing this because 
when this I remember um, when this book came out, I was traveling somewhere with my family and it was like a big bestseller and I was like at the airport. So I had to buy a book and I, it was one of those books I bought for the plane. I read it like in a day or something like that and just loved it. Mm-hmm. Just loved the book. And then just fortuitously, the movie came out like a month later or something crazy like that. I didn't know, you know. And so I went and um, watched the movie in theaters and was really disappointed because it, it was one of those things where I, I had read the book and had, um, you know, I, I mean, it's you read the book and sometimes that can really, you know, you're like, you're like, where's this scene? Where's that? Where's this character? Where's that? Oh, and and that was that was very much how I felt about the movie. So I didn't return to it for a long, <gasps> long time. Damn. Oh, man, this Shocker. I'm blown away. <laughs> I've never known anyone that's read this book, let alone someone who is missing content from the original. Not like. Like yeah. I'm, I'm so curious about what you wanted to see that didn't get dramatized. It was fucking 25, 30 years ago. I hardly <laughs> recall. Please, you know, I, I just remember being. I just remember feeling like. I mean, I loved the book, and I remember being feeling like the movie just fell short. Hmm. That's totally reasonable. I mean, hmm. we watched that. I'm allowed. To, I'm allowed to feel that way. You are allowed, Travis. <laughs> Sleepers was a movie that I watched a lot, and I feel like I watched it with my friends, and it was because of people like you or other movie hounds that had a box copy of VHS and. Like we could quote it, you know, there was a lot of it was kind of like in the same vein for me anyways, like Suicide Kings, which came out in 97. I, I received like a lot of viewings of Suicide Kings and Sleepers again and again and again. And hmm. I had, remember loving the movie and I don't remember exactly where I saw it, but I definitely saw it at someone's house because I did not see it in the theater. But um, it's something I watch every five years or so. So it's been a few years, but I, I'm very very attached to the film in some way. And of course, as you just got alluded to, there's a, you know, there's a book here that was based on this guy's stories about, you know, the character played by Jason Patrick when he's grown up, whether it happened or it didn't happen. Um, does that matter? Does anybody have an opinion on that? I mean, the movie, to get to the ending of the movie, pretty much the whole thing like falls apart when like, it, it turns out that like the dude, uh, like, that like, the, the priest, you know, that um, what's his name, Father Jimmy, or whatever, what's his name, Bobby, that he, like, like yeah, and that he's the he's the the alibi, and it's like they would have certainly looked into alibis before this point. <laughs> like, no, you know, <laughs> who is the judge here? Who is the judge? And 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 that's the thing. There's 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 enough stuff like that in the movie where it's like this seems pretty hollywood you know um and i don't remember how much the book is like that but i know that you know there was investigations into all of the local like boarding schools and all that shit and there you know no record of it court records <laughs> right did, did something like that happen Pro- i mean i i believe that the abuse happened i don't i don't believe that the um that the trial happened because they there that would have involved there would be some record hmm. of that um there'd be some record of that i don't i don't think the trial happened <laughs> wow okay yeah, i don't even believe they went to this his close friends have come out on multiple oh, occasions really? to say they, i knew this guy i was like his friend in this movie and he never this incident never happened he never went to any reformatory uh juvenile hall this okay. didn't happen <clears throat> period yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, hearsay and we got uncertainty. Lorenzo Carcaterra, like in like whenever this was written, a pre-internet age for the most part, widespread. 
thinking yeah. that like just no one's going to be able to do any research being like i'm on easy street i'm going to sell a <laughs> bunch of copies by saying it's a true story and who's going to know like come on no one's going to do anything about this <laughs> you fucking break he got a big fat check when the movie got made i'm sure uh, well the publisher stands behind him still he thought he, he said i believed it and even some there was a lot of talk in the literary community as well from some reputable writers who said they thought it was true but who knows because you were never there you'll never know the bottom line right, is it, just be aware of it it could have been, you know, so much change. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, maybe, maybe it was fucking camp. Yeah. You know, we don't know. And maybe it had nothing. You know, who Hell's knows? Kitchen okay. getaway camp? <laughs> Even, I'm sorry. Even if it was just the case about the sexual abuse, okay, maybe that slipped through the crap. A murder? Yeah. <laughs> no one's getting killed at a juvenile hall facility. And it's Hell's it's Kitchen, dude. swept under the rug. It's Hell's Ooh, Kitchen. Do, Did do you we, know it was Hell's Kitchen? Did you really think that? In the 1960s, that 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 a person of color in a juvenile facility could not be killed by. Oh, the, sure, that's very plausible. I think that's extremely plausible. Oh, that part is yeah. Rizzo's death, I buy that all the way. That was actually oh, one of the more. Not even just a person of color. Anybody, anybody uh, has people have been killed in while in c- incarceration since there has been incarceration. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'd, I just wanted the audience. If you hadn't looked it up, yeah, there's a lot of controversy about this. Of course, if you watch the film, it has the tagline, which they added. I think in like 2001 or two, a few years after the movie came out, just for the hell of it. So, wait, what's the ta- what was it? Th- wait, what the ending add? thing that says like this was? I can't remember yeah. what it says, but yeah, what does it say? It. Like on the original VHS release, yeah, it said like um, it said one thing, and then on the re-release DVD, it said another thing, and then when you watch it on streaming, something is excised. So there's a whole business fiasco going on here. Oh, I don't even know anything about that. Yeah. So. yeah, that was added after the fact. But this is about the movie now and how we view it. And we have to look <laughs> at IMDb rating, which, you know, this has a huge cast. Like I said, it's loaded with stars. Brad Pitt, we haven't even mentioned yet. And, of course, the guy who plays King Benny. I love that guy. And uh, Fat Man. Frank Madrado in, in Puerto Rican face? Yeah. <laughs> Puerto Rican face? Oh, wait, face? no, no, no. No, that was, that was you know, King Benny was the whoa, other guy. Whoa. Yeah. Fat yeah, man. no, Frank Medrano is a Manny, and he is not a Puerto Rican at all, but he plays one in this film. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Suicide Kings, he's, he's in that as well. That's right. I, hell yeah, dude. You read my mind. So, what's the rating on this thing? It's got a great cast. Is it all-time legendary status? Is it an eight? Is it even a seven? I'm going to say 6.7. 6.7? 6.7? Uh, that's too low. People remember liking it a lot. I'm going to say 7.4. I'm so, okay, seven four. Actual retail price is bloop. Oh, seven point five. Oh, okay, okay. I'll take that. Over on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it a seventy three, um, which is kind of in line with the IMDb rating. But the audience gave it an eighty five, so twelve percent more favorable from the audience's point of view as far as some of the actual critiques from these timeless legends of review. How about? Owen Gleberman. Oh, he didn't say anything. He just put a splat. Okay, well, that's quick. Uh, oh, David Anson from Newsweek. We talk about him sometimes. The problem starts with Levinson's script, which overemploys Patrick's florid narration. What does that mean? F L O R I D? Florid, like fluoride? Like purple prose. Oh, thank you. I'm learning so much today between the that and uh, the knee how earlier. Knee how? That was great. Uh, so, knee. Knee bomb? Knee bomb! <laughs> Uh, Patrick's florid narration to tell you what you're about to see, what it means, and how you should feel about it. Oh, so he's like the narration is just too in your face. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Can't really. All right. I mean, 
It's based on a book too. I usually am more forgiving with movies that are based on books when it comes to narration. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Peter Travers from Rolling Stone. He said, guy. "That guy idealized. You bet. That's why the loss of this world must be avenged with the same broad strokes that you'd expect." From the Count of Monte Cristo. That's right, of course. This is nonstop Monte Cristo revenge talk throughout this whole film. Yeah. Yep. Revenge. Um, revenge. From the get-go, and like um, his father even, like his actual dad, is like telling him that story about King Benny when he's a kid. He's revenge. Like, revenge. revenge. Yep. Good old Bruno Kirby playing a creep, like always. <laughs> Bruno Kirby had no fucking qualms, man. He's like, what do you want me to do? Rape a kid? Beat someone up? Who am I, what woman am I smacking around? I'll do it. Yeah, he's like, Put me on film at, at my absolute worst, and I will do it with gusto. And it's like, thanks, Bruno. No one smacks a woman quite like you. No, nobody whips a belt on nobody someone would. like him. Yeah. That's what I'm, the dude. The dude would do fucking anything. You got to respect it. He would just like, he was... I mean, he would, he's like, whatever's creepy scumbag, he's signed on for it. <laughs> Bruno Kirby as the creepy scumbag. Uh, yeah, so Roger Ebert said, as entertainment, the movie functions successfully, but I don't believe the story is true. Not true to the facts and not true to the morality it pretends to be about. Ah, not true to the morality it pretends to be about. God damn, Roger. God damn, that is awesome. Ooh. That was Peter Travers. Jesus, Roger. That was Ebes. Oh, that was Eves? Oh, man. Man, he's so good. cutting. That's good. Yeah, that's good. A, what do you got? Can you flesh that out for me a little bit? Because I'm just not I reading it, but I'm not quite getting or saying that this movie does, is on a high horse, but it's really not. Yeah, that's exactly what it's saying. It's, it's saying that it's taking this moral high ground, but it doesn't even really live up to its standards, mm. is what he's saying. Okay. Well, I, I got to say, this movie is about revenge, like we said. And mm -hmm. it's nonstop theme through this. But one thing I just want to talk about right away is just how fucking good. We talked about Bruno Kirby, how good Kevin Bacon is in this film. This is not an easy role to play. And this is, yeah. I think, his absolute best performance, period. I really do believe that. <laughs> um, speaking of paying, playing creeps, remember he played the woodsman also, which he played, you know, that was a child molester. And he was the protagonist of that film. Oh. And uh, an incredible movie, which if you haven't seen it, you really should. Yeah, he's, he's outstanding in it. Uh, and I would actually put that up there as probably my favorite performance of his, but it's a hard one to watch, just like this. Somebody asked him, I was watching the interview with him, because I was like, oh, man, <laughs> this guy's so good. Uh, I think it was, uh, God help me, it was a Lipton interview, which was very sugary. But he asked him, like, why these why these characters and, like, how he feels about playing, like, despicable people. And he's like, dude, I, I have absolutely no problem with it. I look forward to it. I'm an actor. Like, like to have an opportunity to, because I'm, I'm not any of these people I'm playing, any of them, even right. the nicest guy and she's having a baby. I'm not him. And I don't <laughs> have to be, have any parallel to any of these people. So he relishes the odds, these opportunities, man. And it's a, I mean, a firefighter running into a burning building is brave, but it's a brave performance, man. To put this on screen with such a, a conviction is, is insane. And as I sit here and look back at it, it, it's the one that struck with me the most. I mean, it was somebody, It was a very terrifying villain, one of the most terrifying villains of the 90s, if you sit down and think about it. Mm -hmm. what, the way he laughs and casually talks about the cycle of violence that he was raised in as they're walking him down there uh, to do the deeds to the kids. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, casual oof. evil. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, and his name, Noakes. I want to say Noakes like Brad Pitt says it, Noakes. 
Terrible effort. Brad Pitt sucked in this movie, I thought, by the way. Oh, fuck. I forgot to mention I watched Killing Me Softly the other night, too. Still. Oh. Uh, we did that one. In America. Yeah, we did do that one. So it was good. great. Still and I so regret good. saying it did not hold it up. That's my biggest regret in this entire show, saying that it I didn't hold up. I know. It's what? stupid. What? It's, I know. You were here. You guys were there with me. You were up your own ass that day. I was up my own ass. Good God. <laughs> You're all up your own asses, but... So good. Is this... Okay, so it's about these children getting molested right there. They're coming out of Hell's Kitchen. Oh, is it? Yeah. Does that happen in this movie at all? Ah, is there any maybe. lingering uh, details I'm that get left confused. out? Is, this isn't 80% is it when, of the film? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which moment? Was it, was it when the child's being raped with a baton and being forced to pray? Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just going to get into this now. I was genuinely worried about these kids. Like, the child actors. I mean, like, like... The impact of having like to have Kevin Bacon over and over again for a day of work telling you to get down on your knees and blow him. Um, that scene with the baton. And I'm thinking of these kids at like 14, 15 years old and then going back home and like hanging out with other boys that age in the fucking 90s at any in any era. And like, you know, they had to get like a raft of shit from like everybody they knew about, like, you know, they're. They're insensitive, not yet learned empathy male friends, you know, I mean, I just. Brad Renfro. It's a lot. It's a lot that happens in this Brad movie. Renfro, Brad Renfro, Renfro says it all. He died. Says I mean, this. And he did, who knows? He did say a lot because I watched an interview with him about this film. And thankfully, you can sleep well tonight, Travis, because he talked about how warm Kevin Bacon was on the set in terms of talking about how this was is fiction and that they were telling a story that's going to mean something to a lot of people and has the potential to make a difference while cracking a lot of jokes and making everything really light on the set and not just getting with internal about this which could make it scary for youth yeah that that is good but again like i'm thinking more of just like the impact of afterwards of this being on film at that age it would just be really tough yeah that's completely oh. fair dude i get that i I mean, Renfro was in this and Bully. I mean, dude, this guy was going for some hardcore movies on serious roles yeah. in those movies. And at Pupil, too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Good call. It's a solid great. film. Yeah, he um, yeah, he's good. But why would anybody want to watch a movie that's about child molestation? <laughs> Multiple times. That's what I said earlier. Why yeah. did I watch this over and over and over again when all that's happened, is, all that happens is abuse and, and talks about abuse and not just about, I'm not talking about the kids. I'm talking about abuse of power. I'm talking about the abuse of the court system. I'm talking about just horrific abuse in Domestic general. violence. Abuse yeah. the movie. Abuse the abuse movie. Abuse the movie. Yep. You're right. right. I, yeah, domestic violence, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, legal uh, abuse. I mean, yeah. I don't have an answer to my own question. Like, why would someone watch this movie being that this is the premise? <laughs> I don't have an answer to that. I just, I think it has to do that. If Hollywood brings a real star-studded cast, which this movie has, then it can, I guess, make something as awful as this a little more palatable because it's got entertaining people in it and other yeah. scenes that make it interesting. I don't know. I, it's something I've had to think about for a long time. I don't have a good answer. Well, so. The easy answer is that it's a revenge story. It's the same reason why people have been reading the oh, Christo for hundreds of years. That makes all the sense. Because people are... They're, they have the comeuppance and the, and the, the um, you know, they have the reward of the revenge. The problem with this movie, the biggest problem, in my opinion, is it comes too fucking early, man. I mm. clocked it at like 56 minutes when they kill Noakes. And then you got another hour and 20 minutes of just the trial 
that is so mm-hmm. predictably resolved that it becomes a slog fest. Uh oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fair. No, that's I, that sums it up. Yeah, you, I didn't think about that aspect, and now it makes it clicked right in my mind. Makes total sense, Eric. Good call. There is no other way for them to do it. I mean, the, the story course, being sure the way was. it is. Sure, there was. You. you, you you can have that. You can have the opening scene be these guys going to a bar. They see this guy, and something happens. Any great trial movie is going to have some mystery. What happened? What didn't happen? Oh. And we should have some sort of doubt about whether or not mm. they are guilty. Save that scene where they shoot Noakes until the very end in the courtroom. I mean, that's where you're going to get your release and walk out of the theater happy. No, I, I don't need it like that. I see your point, but I don't. I don't need it that way. It start right from the first opening scene with the kids dancing in slow mo, talking about how they're live. You know, he basically talks about it right up front to start the film. Oh, right. God, the slow mo in this movie. Slow mo oh. abuse the movie. <laughs> oh. Yeah, a lot of slow mo. A lot of slow mo for sure. But you know, I love the way this movie has an expression of a place that seems very real. I mean, I talk way too much about Hell's Kitchen. This is Hell's Kitchen. This is why it's Hell's Kitchen. There's yeah. a lot of Hell's Kitchen in yeah. the movie in this. Hell's Kitchen talk. But it's, it <laughs> is. Daredevil walks by. <laughs> yeah, right? It's just out of control. Yeah. I mean, I actually appreciated the by. fact that it paints this like it was a blended neighborhood with multiple cultures. I appreciate that. Right. That sounds cool. And it makes Hell's Kitchen yeah. sound kind of cool. Yeah. He did grow up there. there that, there's yes. record of that. And he's considered like a something of a historian on the era. And when the movie starts, I was reminded, I'm like, oh yeah, this is only 30 years after 1966. So they were able to actually really make it look like the, I mean, it looks just like the, I mean, not that I was there, it's but amazing. it looks awesome. It looks so like the, it feels and looks like the 60s in a way that yeah. you just can't really make movies look anymore, hardly it seems. Yep, without digital yeah. recreations, like these right. long tracking shots, the cars driving by, the hot dog chase scene. I mean, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. All yeah. of it. it They're running through easy. New York City in that one. Yeah, good, good work with the period piece bit of this for but sure. But again, man, you got this first hour, which is you feeling that you having these emotions about the 60s, the summer of love, and you're so with these kids. I'm sorry, the narrative is fucked here. It's the structure. That other reviewer talked about the same thing. For me, it's the script. You got to. I think you should have went back and forth. You should have set up this trial right on the offset. You should have had to start with the trial. And then you're like, ooh, yeah. what's, this, what's this court case about? And then start when they start revealing details in the in the trial, then go back. When they dump all this on you and then they have nothing, nowhere else to go, it gets muddled. And I think they're trying to save it with star power, I guess. That's, yeah. I mean, that's partly why they got... I mean... So, I mean Barry Levinson's got some powerful friends. Uh, sure does. He was going to reunite with Hoffman and uh, De Niro just a year later for Wag the Dog, right? Mm-hmm. But um, which we did on the show. You know what? Yes, which we also did on the show. Oh, so but what, what fascinates me is that with this cast being what it is, you've got Dustin Hoffman in this thing for a few scenes. You got Robert De Niro in 1996 before Goodwill Hunting. Minnie Driver gets the and billing. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah, incredible. After Circle of Friends. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. That's a totally fair point. But I will say this has one of the most unrealistic things for trying to be like a realistic movie. A a guards versus juveniles football game would never happen ever. That is just so ridiculous. Authority taken on the people they're in charge of in a 
violent game. It's so dumb. It's so well, it was supposed to be stupid. touch football, right? Not even know, there that, was it's a volleyball stupid. game at, at my high school. There was a pep rally volleyball game between the the students and the teachers the other day. It's That's not, totally different. It's different. That's it's totally, totally I, yeah. That makes all the sense to me, Travis. I just it's a stupid point in the film that tries uh, to drive home this point about weird. unity well, you think, for them. You think in that first huddle, the boys would be like, okay. We are gonna we are gonna take a dive, right? There's no way we're fucking losing to these guys. Yeah, right. you guys want to have the worst night of your lives, <laughs> right? Yeah, they, they fucking sexually abuse us on a regular basis. What are they gonna do if we beat them at football? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's really and then also funny. again, just gray in slow motion, that's just cool. all gray in slow cool. motion. Yeah, with a quick like, <laughs> or like somebody getting flipped upside down, and then back to silence in slow motion and gray. You're right. But it's like, what happened at the editing sequence with this? It's just like, we're not going to actually show anything that just happens. It's a bunch of collisions. I don't know. It was weird. It was kind of weird. I see what you're saying. Also, these were the only kids that got molested. Like, everybody else was ignored. Is that what we're, we're supposed to believe that? When it comes to this type of shit, I think one thing we kind of know is that they wouldn't just limit it to, like, four dudes when there's all these kids at their back in call, sadly. It's an awful thought, but it just... It's like, wait, why were these four chosen only? Was Dash Mihawk touched? Uh, he'd probably kick someone's ass if they tried. He was <laughs> big. He's a big young man. He is a big. But yeah. no, I think I think it's sort of implied that they're that they make their rounds with other children, oh. unfortunately. But I, that's how I took it because like they're talking about how it like it only happens every so often. <laughs> but still, if if there's a cycle, if if it's a systemic abuse like that, you would think that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. What why, the fuck do I know about Well, why does that one guy show up too, by the way, in this kitchen scene where they eat off the floor? This black savior shows up? Like, I love it. I'm like, this guy's awesome. This is my Never guy. shows up again? Yeah. Never comes back? And it's like, what's the point of this? To like make Noakes look like he's weak when he's dealing with adults and that's it? Or was there more on the I floor? Think, I think it was because like, hey, we're going to make the audience watch some of the most uncomfortable shit they've ever seen on film. Yeah. And we need it to be stopped <laughs> at some point that because that's sense. a hard watch man watch it even just watching these actors do that is not easy watching them fucking eat floor that's uh food that's clearly been clearly been stepped on there's footprints and shit i mean uh, it's it's not easy no you're right it's not easy at all i just I, you know i don't want to sit here and nitpick a movie that is supposed to be based on a true story but i think more and more about dumb things that are happening just to kind of serve the plot for a crappy script. And that was one example of it. Um, there's other situations where I'm like, why is this happening? Is this only happening to serve the plot? And really, why do I have to decide between the first hour and the second hour? Because it is a, such a drastic difference between the first and second hour that mm. I think you. it is fair to ask the question, which hour did you like more, the first hour or the second hour? Well, everyone likes the first hour more. Really? But I mean, I would think. Oh. Yeah, let's talk about Jason Patrick and Brad Pitt. Yeah. I love Jason Patrick so okay. much. I'm a huge Jason Patrick fan. Is there anything even to say? <laughs> He's awesome. I mean, he does his role admirably. It's rock solid. Jason Patrick, very calm, uh, very honest and kind of pensive look on his face a lot of the time. And he's great in this. And Brad Pitt sucked, I thought. I thought he was kind of just mailing it in in this movie. I thought Brad Pitt kind of showed that he was not the actor he would become a little bit. More than that, I puzzled over either get actors that are age appropriate or don't make it only 15 years after the fact. Because these guys are all supposed to be like 23, 22, something like that. And they're clearly in their early 30s. 
Oh. Like they're referring they're referring to Jason Patrick as the kid. I'm like, the kid? You mean the guy with the fucking crow's feet? <laughs> like <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, they live a hard life, dude. It hardens you. You age faster in Hell's Kitchen, and especially after you've been molested and had to live with it for the rest of your life, which is oh, just absolute torture. But I give do you think there's a better hour uh, for you, Eric? Is it obviously the first hour for you or there's no question about it. After after they no kill question. Noakes, the movie's over. The movie's <laughs> over. Everything that happens after they kill Noakes could have been summed up in that in that in those lines. No, at the end and of the movie. It goes on for a while. It's not another hour. It's another hour and twenty. It like doesn't matter. Earlier. The judge should have thrown this. There's no way this was a fucking court case. The judge <laughs> would have taken all of this evidence and thrown out this case immediately. How about the fact that Ferguson? Well, it. He doesn't recognize that that um, what? that Michael. What's it? Was it right? And that yeah. uh, he doesn't recognize it. Like, oh, hey, I know these kids. These guys that shot he was my drinking. buddy. Hey, you're their friend too. I'm not going to bring this up at all during the fucking case. The fact well, that it just doesn't. Well, I'm sorry. I've seen a lot of courtroom dramas in my day. When has a friend of the victim been brought in as a character witness? <laughs> I, I I guess not. Uh, I don't have a recollection of it, Your Honor. Y'all thin eyes, counsel. Make, yeah, make the so subject So we can about, have a dramatic confession. Yeah. Fucking Hollywood yes. horse shit. Uh, also played quite well by that guy who's always Incredible in a lot of movies. Chicago actor. What's his name? Ralph something. Mm, what's his name? <laughs> what performance? Ralph sounds right. We should applaud. What's his that name? That one guy. <laughs> Maybe Ralph. Maybe. Possibly Ralph. <laughs> oh, I always know that guy's name. Anyways, yeah, he I, did good. I don't need that. I don't care that he gets murdered. That Noakes gets murdered in that restaurant. By the way, Janice Soprano in the audience there watching yeah, the murder. Table. Aida Turturro. There she is. Yeah. Oh, by the way, you're one of your Sopranos. The old mom died the other day, Travis. I thought you should know that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Suzanne Shepard. Yeah. She passed a couple. I actually had thought that she had already passed, to be honest. But she was 89. Um, That's okay to think that. Yeah, she's up there. But I, I love the second hour because. It's what? full of such great actors. That really does. I don't often say this, but for me, I'm watching a lot of really talented people act out a very intense plot that may be more typical and formulaic as it goes on, which I'll, I'll admit that. But I got every, you know, they sit down and talk to Father Bobby and finally tell him what happened up there. And it makes me feel emotionally. It got to me a bit. I thought it was a powerful moment for him to reveal this awful truth to Father Bobby that they never said they would tell anybody. They didn't want to talk about it ever again. And he knows he has to tell him in order to get Father Bobby to lie as a priest, which Travis yeah, alluded to earlier, alibis would have been busted. It's stupid. So, Why does B Father Bobby look so unmoved by it? There's this long... He looks bored. He, he looks, looks bored for bored. three straight minutes. No! It's just this long... It's a long shot... It is. ...of him reacting to being told this horrible story. And he literally... Great legendary actor, he looks fucking bored. He looks bored. I, no he, way. He's not, he does not look. He does not look emotionally moved at all. What? He doesn't look, oh, yeah. He I looks like he's watching. I TV. Trying to stay strong, but those tears should be pouring down your face while you're trying to keep it together. Something. He looks Something. fucking bored. He's just staring into space. He's got a it's, weird it's lip a, in it. He makes moment. his lip weird. It's very uncomfortable. For <laughs> what that it needed was a little Wichita. That's what it needed underneath. It, that would have been great. If it was during the whole film, I still would have watched it. <laughs> Mike, but, Mike, you like yes. this setup when they're putting together the plan? It's like a heist movie, but like you've already seen the result of the heist. So it's like, uh, <laughs> you're going to do the plan after we already saw the heist? It moves at such a pace for me that's fast. It's fast, fast, and it's got all these characters coming and going back and forth. The King Benny and all the shit he's pulling, and you know, getting all these guys that are not Noakes 
and Ralph Ferguson, the other two dudes, getting those guys busted. I love that part. I love how King Benny comes to our main man from The Wire and says, hey, your brother, that's what they said. That's what they said. And I love that. Wendell Pierce? Yeah, Wendell Pierce. They I said. I love I love that scene. And it makes sense that his brother would have been murdered in that way and that there was revenge for hire. But it also is a little convenient because Addison works for like the mayor or whatever. And I don't know. It just seems it seems strange that, by the way, too, also something we know about pedophilia, not to get too like into it, but these people don't reform really. And apparently everybody else reformed and like because Ralph Ferguson says on the stand, well, I was drinking back then, so now I'm good. And he works with kids to that day. So I don't get why only one of those four guards is mentioned by other people as saying his sexual habits haven't changed. I would think they were all, sadly, continuing that um, awful abuse everywhere. Yeah, uh, but an early Jeffrey Donovan performance, another good actor. Oh, yeah. yeah good call. True. That's, that's right. That's why I'm. That's why, Mike. This is exactly why I'm shaking my head and scratching it, wondering why Lorenzo Carcaterra isn't trying to blow the lid off this case in a huge Netflix <laughs> ten-part miniseries. <laughs> because he knows it's fucking bullshit. How it happened? Yes, but I agree with Travis that something happened, but didn't happen this There's way. No, no way. This gets swept under the rug. I'm tired of this shit, man. Just come out with it. All you had to do was not say that Lorenzo Carcaterra is a main character in the story, and you would have had a good, good book, good fiction. He, he I guess, he probably thought it would be like what was that one that Oprah pushed, and then yeah, uh, like um, thousand little pieces or something or like yeah, that? a million little pieces. Yeah, Mitch album, right? Like, I guess I mean it was like a <laughs> not Mitch album. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, Mitch album? No, I know it was not Mitch. No, album. The, his name's like <laughs> James. James Fry or was something it? like that. I'm pretty yeah. sure Mitch Elvin fucked up too on that. Something, something like that. Look into it. Look it up. He, fucked he up. didn't actually meet five people in heaven. Yeah. Is what, yeah, is what Mitch Elvin. He, he went straight to hell. No, yeah, I got it right. It was James Frey. James Frey wrote yeah, a million yeah, little pieces. Yeah, so right. sorry. Yeah. Blow up your um, album spot. So, and I don't think Mitch Elvin went to hell. For he's not real. He's still here. He's alive. He's still in oh, really? Yeah, Mitch Albom's kicking. I, I keep on waking up a different dimension every morning. I swear Mitch Albom died a few you years ago. You want to go back in time, Travis? Turn on WJR, an AM radio station, and he's still on it from 4 to 6, Monday through really? Friday. Yeah, yeah, he is. It's like, what the hell? Weird. Wow. It's like wow. going back in time. It's really bizarre. Um, number one. <laughs> obviously, number one. I also. <laughs> oh. We talk about Brad Pitt's pink lipstick in the scene that's supposed to be super powerful? Pink lipstick? Uh, Oh, I didn't notice. I missed that one. Oh shit, that was just me. Yeah, sorry. I'd, I was gonna well, say uh, yeah. he's come. I've, I've read on that on the on two. He he's embarrassed about this performance. He didn't embarrassed. Think, oh, really? He was right for the role. He wasn't feeling it while filming. He was pushed into it by his agent. Thinking, thinking his agent was like, "This is the right thing to do. This is an ensemble cast. You got to get in there right now. We're hot off seven and twelve monkeys." Mm. Yeah, he <laughs> you, you can tell he's stiff. He's very yeah, stiff. He's stiff. Who knows if Doesn't he sell it. didn't know how to yeah, play it. But I also, besides Wichita A, I love the uh, score. I really do. I think it's a nice, it's not overstated. It's not like Terrence Blanchard and X yeah. where it's in your face, no. but no. it was very memorable <laughs> to me. I was like, oh my God, I totally forgot about this score because I used to have John a real, Williams. yeah, John Williams. That's right. Exactly. Okay, what else? What else we haven't covered? What have we missed here? Um, <laughs> shit. King Benny, not that threatening. I just watched Kaiser Soze a year before this. I'm like, he kills everybody that's ever known this victim. This guy like shoots him in the kneecaps and is like, hey, don't do anything else. I'm not that threatening. <laughs> and also, this wasn't a real guy. It's confirmed. What is? Uh, what the, what's the? What's the argument? 
Well, it's not so much about okay. the reality of it. It's just more about the film as an entertainment piece or as an informational piece, I guess, as well, even if it is bullshit. But I, I, I love the acting. It's great. The acting it's, is outstanding. It's as bullshit. It's as bullshit as Frank Madrano's Puerto Rican accent. Exactly. Oh, that's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> I think the hot dog stand scene, the whole sequence of it, it's really well done. It's about kids doing dumb shit that they don't think through. When I see them all trying to hang on to that hot dog stand as it's going down the staircases to the subway, that seems like a situation you would just suddenly find yourself in as an idiot 13-year-old and be like, why did this happen? What have we done? But you can't take it back. And, and I think that's decent writing on uh, Carcaterra's part, but as far as the execution, yeah, in, in terms of like some, like the, the kids doing some dumb shit and get, you know, and getting someone killed over it, I, th I think that's fine. But as far as the execution goes, again, with the freeze frames and the slow-mo. Oh, the pissed off is, guy, the hot dog stand owner guy. I love like, that photo. Just, <laughs> it doesn't work for me. I mean, I just have a hard time with freeze frame and slow-mo, and especially both combined. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you really did have a beef there, and I'm willing to consider it myself. But I also, <laughs> I don't understand how that guy gets crushed by the hot dog stand, which is louder than hell coming down those <laughs> stairs. There is no way, even if he's coming around the corner, he wouldn't have heard that or felt the intensity of that thing banging its way down the staircase. I, that actually Dude, bothered me a lot. Trial. You should have been uh, at the trial as a witness. Like, yeah, hey, I'm sorry, it's his own fault. You get out of the way. You hear a fucking <laughs> yes! freight train coming at you for 10 straight minutes and you don't move? <laughs> Call me yeah, in. He's like the he's like the henchman in uh, Austin Powers waiting to get ran over by the Zamboni. <laughs> he just stands there. That's a great call, dude. That's very funny. Uh, also, he doesn't die either, but he's he's very beat up. And also, since they're juveniles, there's a whole thing about juveniles in this film that we haven't really talked about. But you know, the fact that these kids get put in a place like this, it's just such a fucked up angle of our <laughs> culture, you. man. It should, yeah. I these are it was kids. A year. I thought it was like 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 ten years until they turned eighteen. It was like a year. I was like, I know oh. it's brutal. It's just so brutal. I'm, I'm, every day, guys, I drive by fucking Maxi Boys. Not called Maxi Boys anymore. They changed the name oh, to something yeah. more uh, uh, about nondescript. Maxi yeah, Maxi Boys. Think about sleepers, F, dude. I every day I pass it on the way to work to, and back. I just I'm not kidding. Every single time he's thinking yep. about sleepers and notes. I know. <laughs> That's exactly what oh, I made God. me think of, man. And I'm like, dude, what's going on in there right now? Somebody getting molested? I think that. And that's not how I want to start my day when I'm driving to work. But shit, there it is. Me, yeah. Making me really glad I didn't watch this over and over again the way you guys did. I know. Yeah. Dude, He's good God in heaven. Jesus. But yeah, I mean, I, come on. Let's be honest here. We got a, a revenge story. And yet we get revenge on one guy and then like... Ferguson might get investigated later on, possibly. If Lorenzo Carcaterra had any balls, he'd be like, all right, let me get inspired by my youth. Write a really cool revenge story where not only do they take out Noakes, but we get to pick off the rest of the guys in a really cool way to make this satisfying. Not some drowsy they do that. trial conclusion where something might happen to, to resolve that what happened at Wilkinson school for boys. It's just, it's drowsy. It's not much of a climax for me. I'm telling you the climax is at the 56 minute mark when they kill Noakes. But you're focusing on Ferguson. The other two guys, one of them gets murdered flat out. They kill his ass. Yeah, so he's, he gets come up and yeah. And then uh, okay. the other guy gets arrested. Like, hey, in, kid, in a, let me know if I'm ever on your sequence, shit list. Give me a chance like, to uh, five explain. Sequence. Let's get rid of like five of these other characters. And let's focus on that for a good half hour. Hmm. Anything else? Anything else, boys? Last call. Uh, 
I mean, <laughs> Michael Bauhaus shoots the film, and mm-hmm. he shot good Goodfellas. He shot some of the great like like crime mafia films of all time, and yet he brings something different here. It's more crisper, it's more colorful, it's more vibrant, but it's still got that retention of that classic like hoodlum stuff going on. It's fucking beautiful to look at. Love the score. Yeah, 1981 New York was a very shithole place to be. And they do, I really felt like it was an accurate portrayal of that period in time when the boys are growing up and they're going into their bar and, you know the rules, no politics, no religion. But, yeah, okay. Well, Eric, you picked the film, dude, so go ahead and take it away. I mean, this is a long time coming. We've been joking about this forever, and we finally uh, looked back. And I'm glad we did, because I can put this one to bed. I can put this one to bed. We got an incredible revenge scene with Ron Eldard, who's amazing. You can yeah. see, you can see years of turmoil and abuse in his eyes. I've always loathed him, but you're right; he's you really good in it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. And take your time; he, uh, it'll come he to says, you. Take your time; it'll come to you. And then Billy Crudup looks over there, and it comes to him. And we recognize that the acting's, for the most part, incredible. That's why I came back. That's probably why I came back because I, I loved actors and I loved big stories and big camera movies back in the day. That's why I kept watching it. But when I sit here in 2023 and I look at this story and I pick it apart, I got questions. And I'm wondering how this script in this narrative form got greenlit because the structure's fucked. Because I'm entertained for an hour and then I'm bored for another hour and 18 minutes just because it, 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 it does nothing for me, man. Like, I... It, I, I, it's too predictable. It, 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 it telegraphs itself a mile away. Him producing tickets, that means nothing. That's that's hearsay. That's conjecture. There's no objections in, in, in the entire trial. In this fucking trial, which this whole movie is supposed to be about, no one objects. Not once. That's a problem. I, that's not true. Um, uh, Brad Pitt does object once. He does. I guess. He just did very softly. Come on. I, I, I'm sorry, man. I had a lot of fun with this back in the day, but if you haven't already seen it, if you don't have a relationship with it, don't bother because it doesn't hold up. Okay, there it is. All right, very clear. Well, and it's pro- I'm sorry, and it's problematic in that it it could have had something to say about many different things, and it chose a and it chose a, a generic Hollywood narrative, and it's unacceptable. I'm glad you brought up Ron Eldard again um, because we didn't really talk about him enough on the pod. I, I always kind of liked him as an actor, unlike you, Mike. I always, I mean, that's 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 it's Mickey Buns from Drop Dead Fred. I've always, you know, kind of <laughs> had a soft spot for him. Officer Gore. So, yeah, so I, you know, I, I I think that there's um good scenes in this movie. There's good acting in this movie. There's subpar acting from some great actors in in this movie, like Brad Pitt and Robert De Niro. Oh. Um, uh, like I said, I watched this movie when it came out and went, Meh. and then maybe watched it one more time after that. And uh, I, and I listened to my friends, particularly the two of you for years, talk this movie up like it was fucking, I don't know, something really good, but it's not, it's not really good. It's, it's, it's still not good. It wasn't good to me then. It wasn't good to me now. Um, I, I just, I just don't really care for this movie. It, it, the most visceral scenes are the hardest to watch because you're watching children be subjected to horrific things, either in fiction or in reality, even what the actors are having to go through. It's tough. Um, the, there are, you know, like I said, there's there's good cinematography and, and there's good direction in some places. But 
a lot of it's cheesy a lot of it doesn't hold up very well and uh yeah just not for me man no thanks doesn't hold up well there you have folks uh so i can't turn the tide no matter what uh, but i i love watching these people it's entertaining even it's so weird that <laughs> it's about some hardcore shit of course this is about some really heinous shit but I was agreeing with Eric, what he was saying about, I like to see actors, you know, at the top of their craft. And not everybody is, like you said, Travis, but most people are in this film. And they inhabit the character. All the characters themselves as characters, they seem very genuine and believable to me as characters. It's the story that suffers. Frank Bidorano? Yeah. I'm telling you. I mean, <laughs> okay. yeah. I mean, he, he looks good there in that front seat of that cop car, just like doing his thing. But I... I really just like the nature of this film in terms of its the way it moves along. Not the pedophilia, but really the second half of the story. That's why I said I really do like the second half better than the first, even though I might admit that the first half is done better from a technical aspect and maybe from a writing aspect. But I like all these characters with their ins and outs and King Benny's minions and the fat man and people over here playing handball, which is one of the dumbest games I've ever seen. I don't know who invented handball, but why would you hit? It's just so stupid. You put your hand like this and you hit a ball back up. It's such a Came dumb back? New York thing. Fuck that thing. I don't like it, but it's a really tough call because it's got a deep nostalgic factor. And I love Jason handball Patrick aside. and I love Billy Crudup. Small role, of course, for Crudup. Uh, I think it's first movie i believe no, 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 no. Um, it was not his first movie no? but it was one of the first things i took note of him in okay. personally yeah well i'm curious about that but yeah I, so i just like a lot of the people in this film um and i just got a lot of respect for kevin bacon's balls to play the role and do it so well and all the guys who played those roles those were tough and they all did a pretty good job but bacon he topped them all and i feel confident saying that in the end will i watch sleepers again yes does it hold up? Yeah, I think it does. I think for me it holds up. So I'm going to say it holds up. But you know, All right. I can see why you a lot of people would never want to watch a movie like this. I get it. Trust me. I totally understand if you never see this movie, folks. So, but you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't. So there <laughs> it is. All right. We did it. Sleepers. We, we finally did it. We did a show. Yay. It took us three weeks, but we did it. I'm proud of <laughs> us. It, man. The, I'm the so glad to do a show. of child rape. Yeah. Oh. Good God in heaven, dude. Nightmare. Cinnamonipod at gmail.com. And of course, you can rate us five stars and everywhere you see us during the holiday break, put us on. A great time to catch up on some episodes. A lot of these episodes are evergreen because they last forever. So feel free to, like Joe himself, our emailer, go through the back catalog. Next week, <laughs> which who knows when the next show will be, of course. Next, um, let's be honest. Next yeah. week. Are you kidding me, Mike? In 2024, next time. Yeah. I'll see you, and when we do the show again in 2024, I'm going to select this film. Uh, no, um, we'll try to do a show. You never know what's going to happen. But for me, it's my turn, and I was really torn on doing one movie that I thought, I don't know if it's going to be hard to find, though, or if it's, like, too difficult to see. But if you it ends... check first. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I should check first, but... Can I just watch? I'm going to... I go Roku. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it anyways. If it's if it doesn't work out, then we'll we'll switch. We'll audible. But it should be readily available somewhere. It should be hard to find. I wanna do 1981's Reds by Warren Beatty. Isn't that like a three hour movie? And oh yeah. Doing this without Luke. Yeah. <laughs> without Luke. <laughs> it's on Pluto. Perfect. There we go. 
Jack Nicholson, Warren Beatty, Diane Keaton. Reds. Three hours and 15 minutes, you son of a bitch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what do you mean? It's, I mean, it's one movie, right? I, I put you guys through Cloud Atlas. So. <laughs> Oh, is this going to be a record for the longest movie we've done now? Shit, I don't yes. want that. This is longer than Cloud Atlas. Damn it. I don't want that record, but oh well, I'll live with it. You're to read no. about the fucking Bolshevik Revolution? <laughs> you don't have to read about it. I mean, you can just ignore it. I, I do my research. I, I don't know if it's a good movie or not. That's why I'm choosing it. I saw it once, and I haven't seen it since. So, we'll find out next week or whenever we do the show. Cinnamon Night Pod. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody. For Travis, Eric, and Michael, bye-bye. Tell them that Republicans are not welcome in Hell's Kitchen. Slight problem. Everybody. <laughs>